Ahoy there, me hearties. This be Captain Silver Hook, and you're listening to the Two Old Pirates podcast. Set sail for an open sea of stories, tales, and some really crazy stuff. I expect you to like and subscribe, lest you be walking the plank. Ha 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 Welcome to the Two Old Pirates, episode 62. We will be uh, covering the history of the earliest commercial hits or radio hits of the rap era. Um, I'm Eric. It's been uh, it's been about three months. A um, lot, lot has been going on, but I'm, I'm happy to be back. And uh, I hope to have an episode coming up with Vinny very, very soon. Um, but uh, for right now, I thought I would go ahead dip my toes back in the water and try to get you out a podcast over uh, something that a lot of people enjoy. A lot of people enjoy uh, rap music, um, but coming from my generation, uh, it wasn't always as big, and it took a little bit of time to get to where it is now. If you look at most of the major selling artists now, you know, you've got Drake, you've got Kanye, um, you know, you've got all the Lils, Lil Yachty, Lil, Lil Baby, Lil Uzi Vert. A little, uh, but in all seriousness, uh, most of uh, your top sellers now uh, tend to be uh, fully R&B, if not rap, um, and that's just not the way it used to be. So what I wanted to cover today is I wanted to go ahead and cover uh, some of the earliest radio played songs, and we're not talking about like New York City, where rap really came to be, or even out in California, Southern California. We're talking about like where I was growing up, South Texas. And what you could possibly hear on a uh, very uh, popular local radio station. So I'm just going to be going over the the beginnings before we hit like um, the the big time stars. And you might not think of them as big time stars, uh, but when you're talking in like uh, late '80s, early '90s, when you're talking about you know um, uh, Vanilla Ice, uh, you know MC Hammer, you, know, you talk about some of those. <clears throat> um, later on rap uh, artists that really, really blew up the genre and had number one albums and number one hits and things that had never happened before. It's more underground and you could still hear it and it became more and more popular, but it definitely was not where it is now, where it's just, you know, uh, just about everybody is is involved some way with um, R&B, rap, things like that. Um, So we're going to go ahead and start off today. And some of these you might have heard of, some you might not have. But if you're listening to this and you really do enjoy rap music, uh, remember there's always a foundation. There's always somewhere where you have to go back to to see where the first, um, uh, like the the first steps were taken, the baby steps. And some of the music like my sons like today, they would probably never listen to this rap. They would think that it's silly or corny, or you know, it's not hard hitting. And I look at it like these were the baby steps, and 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 a lot of the um, a lot of the rap songs that I'll talk about, uh, they dealt with something that might seem silly, but they also had some type of a message also. Um, not saying that today's rap music can't, but a lot of it is very, very auto-tuned, and it's very uh, commercialized. It's easy going to the ear. It's got to eat, uh, you know, these beats that people, that's all they do is just, you know, 
come up with beats and uh, the beat gets to the person and then they you know they recognize the wording and they'll rap along with it and stuff but really the beat catches you and stuff some of these had good beats but a lot of these were just run-of-the-mill you know just we're starting out here this is a new genre we're trying to get, find our way so uh, start want to start off now there's gonna be probably many that you're gonna say but what about this or what about that one and what I'm trying to say is some of those were not really played on the radio stations that I grew up with and God knows MTV did not step up to the plate when it first came out with, with any of these. So it was few and far between that a guy in South Texas in a small town would be able to hear some of this music. But the first one, right off the bat, and I still love it. A lot of people find it corny. But 1979 Rapper's Delight by the Sugar Hill Gang. Uh, it was a top 40 hit. And if you've ever heard it, it seems to go on forever. It has a really, really cool uh, rhythm to it, which comes from good times by a disco band called chic and they borrowed that they borrowed the, the bass line to it uh but it, it's an awesome song and it, it i got i don't remember how long it is there's different versions of it seven eight nine minutes long but it's a really really cool groove and so sugar hill gang with rapper's light was the very first really song that would be considered rap that really uh thrust itself onto um uh, uh the american people uh, the second one, you're probably not going to be very happy with this one. You're going to sit there and say, that's not rap. It was a number one hit for a band that's in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, which I'm not sure if they should be there because they only had about a three-year period there where they were really, really big. But there was, a bond, uh, there was a band called Blondie, and they released a song called Rapture. And if you listen to it, uh, Debbie Harry, the lead singer, had heard these guys in New York at different uh, functions and out on the streets, and they were uh, in different uh, cl uh, clubs and, and recording studios, and they were doing what we consider rapping. And so she wrote some rap lyrics for this song Rapture, and she goes on and she raps in it. And people that are uh, deep rap aficionados do not enjoy that because they say, no, this is a pop, new wave type band and blah, blah, blah. But the thing is, it is considered rap, and she is rapping, and it also hit number one. So it's the first song with rap, really, that hit number one. Uh, you have to skip to 1982 with Grandmaster Flash and the Furious Five, and they released a really, really good song called The Message. Now, The Message was not nearly as big as Rapper's Delight or Rapture, but it is an instrumental uh, song in the rap genre where a lot of rappers look back and say, this is really about um, uh, a message, as it's called, The Message, to the people of the inner cities and to the African-American community. And, it's, and overall, I would have to agree Rapture and Rapper's Delight were radio-friendly. Uh, the message is not that it's radio-friendly, but it's, it's deeper and it has more context in it and it's, it has more meaning. So definitely check that out. That's got to be in your top five uh, building blocks of rap songs ever, The Message by Grandmaster Flash and the Furious Five. You have to skip through. 83, 84, 85, you had these different uh, uh, rap groups coming out releasing stuff. None of them could really get a lot of airplay, and none of them were really getting a, a lot of MTV play. And then in 1986, something really, really drastic happened where MTV had to take note and uh, radio stations had to take note. And there was a crossover. There was a, uh, a group of three guys named Run. Th th their uh, group was Run DMC, and they had been running uh, and making albums for quite some time. And then they released this album uh, in 1986, and it had so many good songs on it. Um, but the thing that really crossed them over was they did a crossover with a band that had not had a hit in about seven or eight years. And that band was called Aerosmith. And Aerosmith had cut a song in the mid-70s called Walk This Way. 
and Ron, Run DMC took that rock song with the riff and added some rap words to it, and uh, they basically they, they took over the song. Uh, Aerosmith is on it, and most of the words are from the original Aerosmith song, but if you really, really watch this uh, video, it blew up on MTV, and, P and MTV was like, hmm, seems like young kids really like this. And so before long, you had that album by Run DMC release songs like Walk This Way, which was a top 10 hit, their biggest hit ever, all right? Um, my Adidas, that's probably my favorite song from Run, Run DMC. I own the cassette. Um, you Be Illin, big, big song. And one of the most favorite songs that seems to have stuck around, maybe even longer than the other ones, it's Tricky. It's been in numerous movies and... Um, it's an amazing song. So with this one cassette that came out in 1986 by Run DMC, with that crossover with the Aerosmith song, it like blew them up. And they, as a rap group, helped bring forth all those other rap groups that from 79, 80, 81, 82, 83, 84, 85, couldn't really catch a break. They were selling within their own communities and through word of mouth, but they weren't like headlining. With Run DMC going this big, they started headlining like tours, big tours. And so it wasn't like at a club somewhere. They were like really, really huge. You had to have been there in 86 to see the change from a Janet Jackson, uh, Paul Abdul, um, Lisa Lisa and the Cult Jam type of vibe, uh, Mr. Mister, uh, The Outfield. These are all really great pop bands, but there was nothing... There's nothing that, for that vacuum of what kids were looking for. And kids found rap in Run DMC. That was, if you talk to most kids back then, that was the, the band that really turned them on to rap. And then what happened is these record executives decided, hey, we should go out and we should go ahead and see if there's a, these other you know, rap groups out there or solo uh, performers. And boy, did things start to change in a hurry. Within, a, within the course of a year, you went from Run DMC being relatively unknown in the wider community of, uh, of musical uh, people to being, uh, you know, selling one of the biggest albums of the year, you got to roll into 1987. And these three Jewish guys from New York that didn't know if they were going to be punk or ska or pop or rock, but they had been hearing these rap songs growing up in the different uh, boroughs of New York. And they're like, we like this stuff, but we like rock. We really liked rap. We like rock. So they said, let's just throw it all together and see what happens. And their album, License to Ill, The Beastie Boys, blew up. Uh, I remember getting the cassette the moment I saw the first uh, MTV uh, video for You Gotta Fight for Your Right to Party. And after that, it was just, just took off. Uh, I would say Run DMC and Beastie Boys for that time period are the two big commercial uh, breakouts for the genre of rap. And it changed everything. So you have uh, off this album, you have uh, you got to fight for your right to party, and of course that was heavily played on MTV, which about a year, year and a half before you couldn't get a rap artist on there. And now MTV was like, boom, cash register, let's make some money. Then they had No Sleep Till Brooklyn. That's been in numerous movies. That you know that's a very popular song for them. Um, Paul Revere, a lot of kids like Paul Revere. Um, Brass Monkey. Huge, huge hit amongst the young people. Um, so in 87, you had 
Run DMC still riding very, very high with their last album. And then you had Beastie Boys come out of nowhere, which this is their first album, if you think about it, really. Um, Run DMC had been running for two or three, four years trying to you know hit this climax, and they did. Beastie Boys rode on the coattails of that and then sold even more than Run DMC. But then you had this new young guy come out. And people had said that, man, he's got what he takes. You know, this guy's got the hook. He's got the looks. He's got the charisma. This guy, I think he was 19 or 20. His name was LL Cool J. And he released a song called uh, I Need Love. And it was a top 20 hit. And so LL Cool J, he jumps into the frame. And now, and he's still around. I mean, he's still on TV shows and stuff. Run DMC, you know, uh they hit their peak and eventually went down. The Beastie Boys, you know, eventually went down a little bit. And both of them have lost one of their performers, so they're both basically retired as, as bands. But LL Cool J is still on game shows and talk shows, and he's still running things. And I don't think he's aged in a day. I mean, the guy, you know, he's been around literally for almost 40 years, and uh, he's still got it. I mean, he's still like this really, really lovable guy, and he, he, he just seems like a great person. And that first song, I Need Love, really broke it. Now, like later on, you'll know him for different things and stuff. Mama said, knock you out and stuff like that. But um, I Need Love was the thing that springboarded him into this. So we're talking about 86, 87. It's really, really catching speed. Then all of a sudden, out of nowhere, you had these three girls come out, just like Beastie Boys, but it was called Salt and Peppa. Remember Salt and Peppa? All right. Salt and Peppa was one of the biggest female rap artists of all time groups. And they came out with a song uh, called Push It. Ah, uh, push it, push it real good. All right, so what happened is now you had these three women. And so what happened is it was opening up this floodgates. So what had happened is you had had all these other, and I could list, you know, 50 artists between when Sugar Hill Gang first hit in the top 40 all the way up till Run, Run DMC. There's 50 to 60 groups that you could look up that had minor hits, but none of them were explosive like this, as in just capturing people's you know minds and just driving them crazy for more and mtv saw this and they started making all these videos so as soon as you were a rapper and you stepped up and you had a good hook and you had a good beat and bam you were signed and you're, you're going to get a video and then that put it out to us so instead of having to watch it on or wait for it to be on the radio if the radio would even play it you got to see it on mtv on rotation so you'd see it once every couple hours and that song get in your rhythm then you'd want to go buy the cassette so like in 86, you know, 87, you got the you got Run DMC, you got Beastie Boys, you got LL Cool J, uh, you got Salt and Peppa. But then a really cool song came out. But this guy had been working just as hard as everybody else since the like late 70s, early 80s. His name was Cool Mo D. And Cool Mo D released a song called Wild Wild West. And I remember sitting in my sophomore English class and the uh, the English teacher who happened to be a coach, so he didn't really teach anything. Um, he wrote a W-A-W-A-W-E-S. And he pointed at us and said, can anybody pronounce this? And we're like, Wah-Wah-Wes. He's all, exactly. And I was like, I don't know what the heck this guy's talking about. And then he said, I just heard this rap song on the radio on the way to school. And all I could make out was that the guy was saying, wah, wah, Wes, wah, wah, Wes. And I'm all like, I don't know what he's talking about. Went home and talked to a couple of my friends. They're like, yeah, I heard something like that on the radio too. Happens to be Cool Mo D. And he was a longtime rapper. And he finally got his shot. And he had a video. And I think he's dressed as a cowboy in it. 
but it's called the Wild Wild West. It's basically Wild Wild West. Uh, but he says it so fast and so smooth that it sounds like Wild Wild West, but it's Wild Wild West. Uh, and he finally gets his shot. So, you know, this guy had been making albums and selling them and touring, just like Run DMC and stuff. They were never getting a sniff of anything, not this big. And now they're going platinum. And I remember finding out about it, and I went out and bought the cassette. I still have the cassette down in the garage with all the other cassettes that hopefully, like vinyl, they'll become popular again. So Wild Wild West by Cool Modi, you need to check that one out. Um, then, to show you how far MTV would push it, oh, sorry, salt and pepper. Um, there was, I believe, three really, really, really heavy set guys, and they were rappers. And they said, hey, we can do this stuff too, but we're going to do it kind of funny and kind of silly. And so they approached MTV, and they had been making records uh, for several years, but they're jumping on this. I mean, this thing is going as fast as possible, this rocket. So, you know, you got all these bands. And these three obese men come up, and they're like, we're rappers, and we're called the Fat Boys. And if you don't know about the Fat Boys, kids, you need to look up the Fat Boys. The Fat Boys had several hits. <clears throat> In fact, they had one really big hit with the Beach Boys later on. But their first hit that put them on the map was a song called uh, Wipeout. And uh, they kind of did a rap version of the old famous song Wipeout. And it was good. It was amazing. And so if you just listen to what I said about 1987 in itself, you had the first real large female rap group. You had the first Jewish rap group. You had the first heavy set rap group. Uh, then you had guys like LL Cool J, very, very young, but with the charisma to get him through and the talent, and he blew off. And then you had Cool Modi, who had been around in the trenches for years, and he got a shot. So basically, because of Radio Airplay and MTV and Run DMC exploding the year before, you had all these people finally getting their chance. And I'm sure that if they all, the ones that are still alive, could sit down, they would probably all sit there and say, if Run DMC and Aerosmith don't do that crossover hit of Walk This Way, we might not have had the the, uh, the success that we had. So I decided to go ahead and see how far I would take this short little bitty video. And I wanted to go ahead and end it with the last real uh, foray into the rap culture before it exploded with the MC Hammers and the Vanilla Ices and the Snows and everything that came after then. You get NWA, Public Enemy. Now, they all re released certain albums around this time, but you couldn't really see them very much on MTV, and you sure as heck didn't hear them very much on the radio. So I, it's not that I'm uh, not wanting to talk about them. I was just trying to talk about the ones that commercially you might have seen or heard without having to talk to an older brother or get a pub, you know, a public enemy or NWA that might have been banned here or there and stuff. Um, but in 1988, these two young guys came out of Philadelphia, and uh, they had a hit. They were about, uh, I don't know, about 18, 19, 20, something like that. And it's called Parents Just Don't Understand. And I think you know who I'm talking about. In 1988, DJ Jazzy Jeff and the Fresh Prince, known as now as Will Smith, released their first album. Went platinum. I think it sold 3 million copies. And their song, Parents Just Don't Understand, was the first rap song to ever win a Grammy. So I want you to listen to this. From 79 Rappers Delight, 1979, 
all the way to 1985, couldn't really budge very much, couldn't really make much headway. 86, Run DMC blows up. 87, I just gave you the entire list of all these people that were commercially, not just releasing music, commercially successful. That's the main thing that I'm trying to get through with this podcast, through this episode. They were, all of them sold in the millions, if not platinum, then in the millions, multi-platinum. In one year, that's how quick it just, whew, a flame. By 1988, you had two guys. One could kind of rap, and one said he was a DJ. Probably not all that great. But they had two smash hits. Parents Just Don't Understand and A Nightmare on My Street that was supposed to be in um, Nightmare on Elm Street Part 4 and the last second they pulled it. So they released it as a song anyways, and it went top 10 or something like that. So the thing is, before we got into the later rappers and stuff, which I could do a volume two if, if you guys want me to, uh, about the growth of the rap genre, I wanted to just go through the beginnings. And so Curtis Blow is not on here. Famous, huge rapper. Uh, but he never really had a lot of commercial success the way that these other ones did. So I'm, I'm just showing the foundation that was laid commercially, not as in the most important songs or the best songs or the best artists, anything like that. I'm just saying commercially what we could actually hear anywhere in the country at this time probably. These are the ones. So uh, I hope that you enjoyed this podcast, this episode. Um, I, I actually had a lot of fun looking up this information and going back, and I, I have most of this stuff on cassettes. Uh, um, and, and so the thing is, although I tell my sons how much I hate rap nowadays, I can't really um, understand it. I can't really mesh with it. But heck, you bring me back to those songs... And I, I can rap those songs. Yeah, it, it, it's, it's, they're fun songs. Um, maybe that's why I don't like today's music so much. There's so many, much, you know, this word and that word and this girl's this way. And uh, it's not as it's not as fun. <clears throat> it's more about violence or money or, you know, prostitutes and shootings. And I just, I just don't like it very much. Uh, but anyways, enough of me. I hope that you enjoyed. These are the largest or biggest commercial uh, beginnings for the rap genre. Um, I am once again Eric of the Two Old Pirates. I hope that you enjoyed this, and I hope that you will uh, want to see more in the future. Uh, if you have any comments, please leave them. If you have any bands that you'd like me to cover, I know far too much about music, and uh, I would love to just share my insight on albums, genres, bands, singers, whatever. But until then, peace and I love you.